Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Hope everybody is having a great Wednesday. Shout out to all the Pewter people in the chat getting ready to watch this show. We're on to week two. It is the Bucks vs. Bears preview show the home opener for the tampa bay buccaneers we're going to break down all of the matchups and some fun stuff and it was very fun stuff that we saw today from uh the bucks facility i'm your host matt matera joined with me is the face that runs the place of pewterreport.com sr scott reynolds scott how are you doing on this fine afternoon doing great busy day at one buccaneer place today the advent health training center just a little bit of breaking news here um we have an injury report that's quite interesting, but uh, John Mulchin was assigned to the practice squad, and um, that's to fill the vacancy following the Seattle Seahawks signing Raekwon O'Neal to their active roster. So the Seahawks pluck Raekwon O'Neal, who was kind of a promising offensive tackle. Bucks tried to sneak him onto the practice squad. That happened, but Seattle signed him to their active roster and uh, pilfered him right out from underneath the noses of the Buccaneers from the practice squad. So John Mulchin back in Tampa, it'll give some bucks. It'll give the, the bucks some depth at center in interior line. Uh, and I think that's kind of where they looked at Rick, Raquan O'Neal was moving inside to playing some guard. So logical move here for the bucks to bring back Mulchin, who knows this offense quite well. Yeah. I mean, we almost thought he was going to be the, the backup center <laughs> when yeah. after everything happened to Ryan Jensen and with Robert Hainsey being the top guy. So not the, not the most surprising move by the Buccaneers. Yeah. O'Neal was someone that we were at least fond of, I would say for the potential yeah. of what he could be as an offensive lineman, but you know, that's how it goes. There's going to be a number of roster moves and maneuvers this season. So it's just really the first of many. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, just, it's interesting um, injury news today, as well as just jump right to the, the injury report, which just came out. Not only uh, do the Buccaneers have Kalijah Kansi sidelined right now, which is to be expected. They're going to take that injury pretty seriously, the, the calf injury. And and uh, he did not re-injure that, which is good news. Uh, Kalijah Kansi played 11 snaps against the Vikings and felt tightness in his calf. So he didn't, didn't re-injure the calf. MRIs were negative, which is good, but he did have some tightness lingering from that calf injury. He did practice. Uh, he was a full go on Friday and was a limited participant last Thursday. Did not practice today, but perhaps even more concerning for the Buccaneers, a couple of other guys that had some lingering injuries from the Sunday victory against the Minnesota Vikings, Christian Isian. The goal line hero play there from him, snatching his first interception at Tampa Bay's first pick of the year away from K.J. Osborne at the goal line just seconds before halftime to keep it a 10-10 to lead. Izzian is in the concussion protocol, so he will have a couple more days to clear that. Uh, he was not participating today. Same with Carlton Davis, Bucks starting cornerback with a toe injury that he suffered. Uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. So we will be down there at uh, the team facility tomorrow to see what the status is. Uh, Izian probably won't practice tomorrow. I think if he's going to practice, Matt, it might be on Friday 
given the concussion protocol. Yeah. But uh, we'll see if Carlton Davis and Kalaja Kansi return to practice. And Baker Mayfield showed up in the injury report with uh, an injured right throwing shoulder. But he was a full participant, so probably just some soreness there from uh, from Mayfield. Yeah, that was something that we noticed early on. Because Baker, you usually see him right away. He warms up with the the defensive linemen when everybody's stretching. But he wasn't out there yeah. at first. He also didn't have his jersey on originally. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit tougher to find him because he kind of just looked for that that bright orange <laughs> right. quarterback Bucks jersey. Um, and then they started taking reps. And he was taking the snaps, like handing the ball off to the running backs or simulating that type of thing. But then when it came to throwing, only there's a couple of reps before – we had to go inside because the media is only allotted yeah. so much time. And he actually wasn't throwing. It was just Kyle Trask and he was simulating it. Right. Um, but we knew we were talking to Baker Mayfield today as well. So yeah. I, Baker's not in jeopardy of not playing. Correct. The Carlton Davis one was a little tricky. because We go out there and immediately I'm looking for Kalijah Cansey because that's what everyone wants to know whether yeah. Kalijah Cansey was going to play. Christian Izzy was not practicing with the team, but he was on a separate field running, doing his own thing. I'm not a doctor by any means. Yeah. Um, but he's also been on social media a lot, like retweeting <laughs> his interception. And right. Why? Like, why are people focusing on the Justin Jefferson yeah. hit on him, which probably led to that uh, concussion yeah. situation? But if he's very active on social media and he's running on his own, yeah, I feel pretty good that he's going to be able to play. But Carlton was the one that was intriguing because. I saw Jamel Dean out there, and usually Carlton's maybe not like the first guy out there, but he right. he's usually off to the side. When, when the Bucks warm up, like the DBs are usually on the left side altogether. Yep. Antoine Winfield, Junior, Carlton, Jamel. But I didn't see him out there. And then when they went to the individual groups, I'm thinking, all right, like maybe Carlton will just kind of come out later, and, and then you'll see him. Because you see that a lot with like Devin White and right. Evans, and but no, still nothing. So I, I we tweeted it out on Peter Port's Twitter, my own as well, that didn't see Carlton. It's yeah. possible that he could have came out later. But, you know, it's definitely more of a, a tricky situation because Carlton, for as good as he is, gets kind of nicked up here and there does, each yeah. season, it feels like. <laughs> and this is just another chapter of that drama. Yeah. Uh, uh, Shaggy, we appreciate you slacking at work and watching the Peter Report podcast. We have a feeling <laughs> you're not the only one, and we love you guys. You 4 PMers, as we call yeah. you guys. Uh, and three three o'clockers as uh, as you are in the central time zone, and you're you're probably on lunchtime if you're on, on the west coast time zone. So uh, it's probably probably a little easier for our California Bucks fans out there to watch the Peter Report podcast because they can. And it's probably dinner time for our international. Fans. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> they can do it during lunchtime, and the international folks can have dinner and watch us. So yeah, so uh, that's good. Um, uh, Scott does not support you slacking on the job. You can watch it. No, we do appreciate slacking on the job. We don't slack here at the Peter Report podcast. Uh, I think we're off to a great start here, Matt. We're already seven minutes in. This could be the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. Uh, it remains to be seen. We're, we're off to a good start, especially with the super chat here from Cuse number 44 with a $2 Big super Tucker chat. Fan. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate the, the super chats the other day and today. So uh, that's awesome. The big show today we're going to get to. Uh, Bears versus Buccaneers. I don't think the Bucs are taking this Bears team too lightly, but but it just does not look like they're going to present uh, too big of a challenge for the Buccaneers on Sunday. Um, I, I like the Buccaneers. Uh, uh, I've already made two bets. I actually got the Bucs uh, at the – I, I want to say it was right, right after 
uh, might have been, was it before the game or after the game? I don't know if I got an early line or what, but I got the Bucks plus one and a half against the Bears. Yeah, now and they're three point favorites. Yeah, yeah, and I, <laughs> I got them now minus two and a half, which of course three points. So uh, we'll see. But uh, made some big time money off the Buccaneers beating the Vikings. I put three bets on the Bucks. I just felt really good about them beating the Vikings, and then I felt even better about it, and I felt even better about it. So uh, cashed in on that. So it was. Uh, uh, the, the Bucks so far off to a good start for me, just like the Colorado Buffaloes. So uh, we'll we'll see. We'll have some some gambling stuff um, for sure. We do. Um, uh, Matt has got a tremendous show just just debuted on our Pewter Report TV channel on YouTube, and it's coming out every Friday. Yeah, every Friday, Pewter yep. picks and props. Uh, I'm going to look at obviously the spread for the Bucks and the over under. Give my opinion on what you should take for each of those. By the way, I was two and zero on that last. Yeah, week. Matt. We'll look at some player go. props that you can use on underdog fantasy, higher or lower, with certain stats right. for guys. I hit two out of those three. Yeah, with Mike nice. Evans and KJ Osborne. Unfortunately, Rashad. You know White your stuff, go. Matt. I you do. do. And I was five and two on my picks this week. Uh, I look around the league as well with the spread and over under yep. around the NFL. So if you're a gambling fan, if you're into fantasy props and things like that, uh, Peter picks and props coming out every Friday. Very excited to get into week two and what's in store for that. Right here. Whoops. There you go, Matt. That, yeah. Which way are you? You're that way. Okay. There we go. My yeah. It, the, from... the look goes like the opposite side. Yeah. But uh, also shout out to Bailey Adams in the chat. Yeah. Bailey, well, Bailey uh, will be you? joining me on tomorrow's show as well. So we'll get we'll get Bailey in the mix. Well, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and, and promo that show, shall we? Uh, we've got the, the graphic right here. Special guest tomorrow, Matt. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So each week we're trying to get a, um, you know, a, a writer or an insider from the opponent the Bucks are playing, just kind of learn about that team a little bit more. And this week we have a, a Bears writer, Jacob Infante, um, does a lot of great work, writes for SB Nation, um, a, really able to, to break down a lot of the schemes and different formations and everything that the Bears run. So it'll be really cool to get some more inside information on that. And funny enough, the Bucs, it's not going to happen too often this year, even if they play yeah. well. The Bucs are a favorite <laughs> against the Bears, as we kind of <laughs> talked about with uh, with the being a three-point favorite. So yeah. one of the rare times that that's actually the case for them. Uh, we'll talk about if this is going to be an absolute demolishing for yeah. the Bears, uh, for the Bucs over the Bears. But yeah, excited for tomorrow's show. And then, of course, Peter Game Day Show is back again at 12 noon. We preview the game for an hour. That's kind of like the, the pregame show. And then the Pewter Game Day stream goes live as soon as the Bucks start playing. Uh, I'll be on the call, you know, giving some thoughts, analysis, live reactions as well. I think that's probably one of the funnest parts when the Bucks make a big play, big or big in a good way or bad, but a lot of good from that first game. Um, and I'll be on the call. I had so much fun interacting with everybody last week, so let's do it again. Yeah, it's a great show, folks, especially. For, for those of you, we know that there's many who don't like the announcers, right? They they don't have enough of the, buck, enough of the Bucks insight, or maybe they're rooting against the Buccaneers, not naming any names, but there's a couple of announcers that are not kind to your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's the beauty of Matt, and whether it's uh, Bailey or Josh or Sly or myself, whoever else is on with Matt, you're going to get insight into the team during the game from the press conferences, from the, the locker room interviews we do, from the inside information we collect during the week, from watching practice, things like that that you're just not going to get that's really going to help accentuate your, your game day experience. So that's why we call it Peter Game Day. So check it out. And, of course, that Peter pregame show at noon, 
is going to have a lot of insight into the game as well. So uh, on to our Bucks versus Bears preview. But you know the rules, folks. Uh, anytime you super chat us, we just put put the brakes on right there and we get right to it. So Stephen Whittington with the four ninety nine super chat, Matt. Yeah, thank you, Stephen. Uh, Stephen says, did week one change anyone's opinion on his possible level of success he could have this season? Um, are you talking about Baker Mayfield? Are you talking about Todd Bowles? I have a feeling you're talking about Baker Mayfield, but I don't want mm-hmm. to speak for you, Stephen. So if you want to put in another comment, just yeah. talking specifically about uh, who who you mean, we'll, we'll, we'll happy to get back into it. But if it is for Baker... I think we kind of were, yeah, he's talking about Baker. So for yeah. Baker, I think we said, like, you know, the ceiling of this team is about 10, maybe even 11 wins. Right. At Baker, we always felt if you get the good form of him back a, yeah. a couple of seasons ago when he helped lead the Browns to the playoffs, and obviously it wasn't just a one-man show with Baker. He had right. talent on the Browns on offense and defense. Yeah. He probably has even better talent with this Bucks team. So Baker, yeah. in a sense, just doesn't have to get into his own get in his own way. And right. that's what he did in the first game against the Minnesota Vikings. If he continues to play like that, and you couldn't be much worse in the first quarter, um, I think people will start coming around on Baker a little bit more. Not Houston Astros fans, but everyone right. else will be coming around on Baker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the thing, too, uh, that I wrote about, um, it, maybe I wrote about it in my two-point conversion, or I might have talked about it in the, the Peter Pulse video I did last night about Baker Mayfield, uh, which is this one right here. If, if you have not uh, checked it out, make sure you do so. It is, uh, has Baker Mayfield won you over? It's yeah. on Peter Report TV. It's a quick little four and a half, five minute video I did about Baker Mayfield. But uh, the thing that I really liked about Baker and this young Bucks offense, because there's a lot of young players on it from Trey Palmer to Cody Malk, Luke Gedeke's in his second year, Rashad White's in his second year, is there wasn't any panic. Right. There, there wasn't yeah. any tantrums. There was no finger pointing. There was no throwing helmets. There was no throwing Microsoft Surface tablets. I mean, who would do such a thing? Right. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, who would do that? Um, but, you know, like like that's that's a good sign, folks. That's a good sign that this team believes in not only Dave Canales, but also Baker Mayfield. There is no panic. Right. And I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting here watching the game like you guys are going like, Wow. Man, this offense cannot run the ball, cannot buy a first down, cannot convert a third down. And uh, we're almost close to halftime before they got the first first down. And, and so, you know, they, they got their first points off of a, a you know, gimme field position from Antoine Winfield. Uh, didn't do anything with that other than kick a field goal because they were already right there at the 18 yard line mm-hmm. after that, that sack fumble, fumble recovery. But there wasn't any panic. And, and, uh, that, that to me is, is a really good sign for this offense moving forward because they're going to have some more slow starts, hopefully yeah. not against the bears, but at some point in time, Matt, like as we talked about, this is going to be a process, right? Dave Canales lost the first half to, to Brian Flores, but won the second half of that game yeah. and got out of there with the win. As much as I, w- I want to believe in the Buccaneers and give them credit for that win, as you and I talked about today, they beat the Vikings by three points and they did it with a three to nothing turnover margin in their favor. Usually if it's three turnovers to none, usually that's a 10, 14, 17 point win, but the margin of error for this Buccaneer team, especially in its infancy with the offense, the way it is right now, 
is so narrow that they're going to have to almost play perfect football at the start of the season until they really get the engine revved up on offense to where they can go out and get over 20 points per game. And, uh, you know, and I think they've got a, a decent shot of doing that against the Bears. But, I mean, so far so good for this offense. Yeah, and one reason why they never really had the panic because the worst that they were down in that game was 10 to 3. It, you know, it wasn't like they were only down by a touchdown. I'm yeah, curious right. to see how they look. Let's just say they go down by two touchdowns or they go down by double digit points. Right. There that's where I'm really curious to see how this team responds. Luckily, I don't think we'll have to worry about that this week against the Chicago Bears right. at least you know, going into the second half, I wouldn't be shocked again if they have a little bit of a slow start, but that's actually something yeah. that when we spoke to Rashad white today, he said like, we cannot fool around. It's important that we get right. off to a fast start because we didn't last week. So they're taking yeah. this very seriously. I don't, I don't think they're in any room or position to take any game lightly, especially right. when they're not the favorites in, in a lot of them, except for this one. So, yeah. I mean, I expect a way better offense. I, I can't reiterate enough. This is the last time I'll say it. How yeah. bad they were in that first oh, yeah. quarter. So <laughs> if they can improve even just incrementally from that first quarter, it'll take them a, a very long way. So yeah. steps in the right direction for the Bucs. I agree. Uh, Colt Cancy, SR, when the Bucks score a tud on Sunday, will you open two cans of Celsius, Stone Cold Steve Austin style, to celebrate in the press box. Um, no, I, I can't do that in the press box. I will get kicked out of the press box. Never happened to me yet. In 28 years, I've yet to be kicked out of the press box, which is good. Not that I try to get kicked out of the press box. But um, you know what? That's not a, a bad idea for Buck fans at home to do that. Yeah. And the thing about Celsius, and I've already had my second one today, because Mondays and Wednesdays, it's just a busy day for, for Bucks coverage and all that. Um, and guess what I had today? You saw me, Matt. I had the lemon lime, sparkling lemon lime. It's fantastic. It's one of my afternoon favorites yeah. when it comes to Celsius, because some of their of their flavors, like the the fantasy vibe, tropical vibe, they're really sweet. Now, I, I love those flavors in the morning, but in the afternoon, I'm looking for something that's not terribly sweet, especially if I've had a Celsius for for breakfast in the morning, which I always do, and that's where the lemon lime really hits just right, uh, whether it's lemon lime, whether it's cola, whether it's the Oasis vibe, which has got a little bit of sweetness because that's a sparkling prickly pear lime. It's, it's one of my absolute three favorites. Oasis vibe is, is awesome. And if you saw Matt, I bought two cans today because I got it uh, a special deal at the convenience store, two for $4.50. So I grabbed two. I got Great the lemon team. lime for today. I got the Oasis vibe for tomorrow. Case I need it down there at the team facility. And another good afternoon flavor is this Cosmic Vibe, which is a sparkling fruit punch flavor. So make Celsius your number one pick, whether it's in the morning, uh, to get you up out of bed, get you ready for work, whether it's in the afternoon, whether you're going to lift uh, or, or do some exercise, or maybe you need that extra little kick uh, to help wake you up at work. Celsius gives you the, en the essential energy that you need to power through your morning or afternoon or even evening if you work in a late shift where can you find celsius the official energy drink computer report well you can go to amazon.com click on the store locator punch in your address and you'll find them at all sorts of different places uh convenience stores health and fitness stores grocery stores and um 
gosh, Matt, you say it all the time. Yeah, something um, I can't wait to go to again. A bodega. Bodega. That's right. And once you find the flavors you like, you can also buy them in bulk on Amazon or Instacart and get them sent to your house. On Amazon, you can use the subscribe and save option, and they'll ship them right to your door, and you'll save some money. So make sure you're drinking Celsius, the official energy drink of Pewter Report. Absolutely love Celsius and love Super Chats, too. Thank you to The Bridge for this $5 Super Chat. Uh, The Bridge's question is, previously, I've heard that halftime adjustments don't happen often. That was more last year's team. Uh, (laughs) But we hear about Bucks adjustments this week because they made some great ones uh, in week one. Can you clarify what happens at half? Yeah, I think it's a good question for someone that, um, you know, wants to learn more about the game. So... And we, you mentioned the tablets before, too. You know, when you go into a game, especially week one, yeah. especially going up against the Vikings, Brian Flores was the new defensive coordinator for this team. Right. So you didn't really have a lot of tape to go off of, specifically yes. with Brian Flores. So going into the game, the Bucs didn't know a ton of what the Vikings were going to run. And as we right. learned out, they blitzed a lot in the run game specifically yeah. and, and how they attacked the Bucks' passing game. At halftime, that's why they look at all these tablets and say, oh, mm-hmm. the defense is in this coverage on this play. The yep. defense doing this on that play. They go inside and say, all right, well, when this certain formation is being run, mm-hmm. we're going to throw the ball in this direction or yep. we're going to run it this way or here's the weakness in their defense mm-hmm. figured out. This is what we're going to exploit. So yep. it's a lot of just kind of watching the tablet reading up on stuff, things you notice. That's why you have guys yeah. up in the in the box as well. Yeah, Matt, that, that's a great point because I, I think what happens at halftime, right? There's there's in-game adjustments that are made. They don't wait till halftime to try to make adjustments, folks. Yeah. And you know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but at halftime, the difference at halftime, and it's very quick. It's a f- quick 15 minutes. Trust me, when any reporter knows there's a big difference between a 30-minute college football halftime, right, and a 15-minute NFL halftime, the half times, if you're working like we are during a game, 15 minutes goes by like that. Like it seems like five minutes. Yeah. Right. We're trying to get some work done at halftime. All of a sudden, boom, it's kickoff again. So what happens during halftime is you have the guys up in the box, right, that are that are talking to either Todd Bowles or they're talking to Dave Canales with that eye in the sky view. Those assistants and and, uh, you know, um, quality control coaches, position coaches, whoever's up there, they come down. They actually get a little bit of face-to-face with the coordinators. They can look at the tablet together and point things out rather than having to just to communicate, right, uh, via essentially like a telephone line is really what it is because you can't FaceTime your coaches. So this is one of those instances where they can sit there and they can look at the tablet together and point things out. Another thing, too, is, is it's an opportunity to have the entire defense or the entire offense together uh, in one section and and get some feedback from the coordinators, right? The, the, the players can give the feedback to, to Bulls and Canales, and they can exchange information in that way. Usually on a sidelines, you got the offensive line together, you got the quarterbacks together, you get the receivers together, but this is an opportunity for everybody to kind of come together as one for really what amounts to about 10 minutes tops. But it gets everybody on the same page. And, and so uh, it's quick. It's fast. Um, and, you know, I, I think you look at the results of what happened in the second half. The Bucks offense started clicking. Justin Jefferson got put in shackles. Yeah. They outscored the Vikings 10-7 to 7 in the second half and won the game. Yeah. I think that was a really good breakdown, Scott. So uh, thank, you. thank you. Yeah. 
Appreciate it. Uh, Steve Winnington with another super chat. Thank you, mm-hmm. Steve, for this nine ninety nine super chat. Oh, no. Lastly, <laughs> I'm worried about us throwing out an event like the return of the creamsicle un- uniforms against the Lions after seeing them beat the Chiefs. Yep. We seem to always lose when we do the Ring of Honor, etc. I think yeah, they true. won when it was the Bruce Arians Ring of Honor. They did because that yeah. that was well. It was remember it was actually supposed to be against the Chiefs. Yes, because that because in week then four, the hurricane, yeah. the hurricane hit exactly. So they pushed that back, and it ended up being against the Panthers, where they won the division. So yeah, um, so interesting. It was supposed to be during the Chiefs. They actually got clobbered on Sunday Night Football, and then uh, later it was against the Panthers, and they ended up winning and won the division that game. Uh, to my knowledge, if my memory serves, I want to say from 2009 to 2012, they wore the cream sickles every year. Is that right? 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, four years they, they wore the cream sickles. They won in the debut of the cream sickles as throwback jerseys mm-hmm. in 2009. Josh Freeman beat Aaron Rodgers, of all people, in the <laughs> Green Bay Packers. Tenard Jackson had a late pick six to seal the deal, but – but Freeman hit uh, Sammy Strouder in the corner of the end zone on fourth down to give the Buccaneers a lead. Tenar Jackson returned to pick six, and and they that was one of Raheem Morris's three wins that year, three and thirteen in two thousand nine. Then they proceeded to lose the next three years wearing the cream sickle. So hopefully, hopefully they they win that game. Hopefully, uh, when Rondé Barber gets his Hall of Fame ring at halftime of the Bucks eagles game on Monday Night Football in Week 3. They win that one. There's not going to be any Bucks Ring of Honor players this year. I don't know if fans even realize that, but there's no inductions this year into the Bucks Ring of Honor. First time in a long time that they haven't had that. So really, the only ceremony they're going to be having this year is Rondé Barber at halftime getting his Hall of Fame ring. He already has the gold jacket, and that's going to be, of course, at the halftime of the Eagles game. I... I hope that game goes better than the last time they did something for Rondé Barber when the Bucs played against an NFC East team. That yeah. was uh, when he well, went to the Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, yeah, yeah against yeah. the Giants. That was uh, Daniel Jones's first career start. Where the, Mike Evans <laughs> yes. had a crazy game, and the Bucs were up 100 in the first half. Yes. The Giants came back and won in the second half. But, hey, it's a new team, and you never know how each opponent you play against is going to be every season. So, Yeah, um, well, so – uh, Mark Fisher at, uh, with, with a, a donation here. Appreciate it, Mark. As always, SR, you wrote Bowles approved the third down goblin pass. How much autonomy does Canales have with play calling? He's got pretty much full autonomy. Um, in situations like that, I think if you're a good coordinator, if you're a good first year coordinator, if you have a good relationship with your head coach, as Dave Canales does, you run that by um, the head coach, or maybe Todd Bowles says, Hey, uh, Dave, let's let's go for it here. Let's not run the ball, right? So I'm pretty sure there was some communication there between that uh, because th- that's a critical down, Matt. I mean, e- either you run the ball yeah. and probably don't get 10 yards and you're punting the ball back to the Vikings without much time left, but you're still giving Kirk Cousins a chance. However, with regards to uh, to that, that passing attempt, that, that was kind of a ballsy, go-for-it, gutsy play call, and it worked. Chris Godwin makes the 11-yard catch on third and 10, and Kirk Cousins uh, does not get the ball back, and the Bucks win. No, I absolutely love the mood move because we've seen it a thousand yeah. times, team. And Todd Bowles said it the other day. We can't playing a team like that. You can't be conservative. You kind of right. he didn't say this part, but you have to go for, for the jugular. Yeah, you don't give that football yeah. back. 
I don't care that there would have been like under a minute left with, with the right. Vikings getting the football because they only need a field goal. And crazy things have happened in Minnesota. Bucks fans don't remember because against the Saints right. <laughs> with, with that big moment uh, in yep. the playoffs. So, yeah, I love the move. I hope the Bucs continue to stay aggressive, whether it's going for it on fourth down, whether it's, you know, icing the game out. That's something we talked about on Monday. It's just the aggressiveness of Todd Bowles. And it's yeah. clearly it's uh, it's gone through as osmosis with this team as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, speaking of, of um, you know, Todd Bowles, he's going to have to get after Justin Fields. And yes. the Packers got after Justin Fields, sacked him multiple times, I think four times on Sunday. No big surprise there. But uh, Fields also fumbled, as he, he did, did in this game here back in 2021 when – Fields, as a rookie, came into Raymond James Stadium, and uh, Bowles and his defense were all over him. Picked him off three times, sacked him four times, and made life miserable for the rookie. He's gotten a little bit better since then, but he's still kind of a run-first quarterback. Struggled to go through his progressions. Yeah, And uh, I, I would suspect that we're going to see a lot of, of pressure uh, on Justin Fields again. That seems to work. Um, he threw a, an ill-advised pick six when pressured to Quay Walker last week for the, uh, for the Green Bay Packers. So I think that's kind of the recipe for success here. He does have some escapability for sure. He's, he's an incredibly fast quarterback. He kind of for 59 rushing yards out of the, the Bears, 122 rushing yards last week, Matt. But this Bucks front seven, I think, especially with Devin White maybe spying on him, has got enough speed to maybe corral and contain him a little bit. Yeah, I think that's the name of the game for the Bucks defense against Justin Fields specifically is just keep him in the pocket because he's very talented. And I think Justin Fields as a quarterback, I think he's got the arm. He clearly has the legs and the mobility. It's And Bruce Arian says this all the time. It's like 90% for quarterbacks, it's just from the neck up. It, it's the head. It, it's reading yeah. everything. And that's where Justin Fields really, really struggles. Even if you watch that game against the Packers, I mean, he had other guys open and he would either throw to the wrong person and get a four yard gain versus a yeah. 15 yard gain. And the bears offensive line is very much a work in progress as well. So, you know, the Bucs in, in recent years, they went up against Lamar Jackson last season. They went up against uh, Jalen hurts in the playoffs in 2021. And they played yeah. Justin Fields as a rookie that season as well. So this isn't new territory for the Bucs trying to, limit a very mobile quarterback. So will they keep him in the pocket? Will they be able to contain him? I would like to think so um, for a number of reasons. One being, I really think the Bucks outside linebacker Shaq Barrett and whatever the rotation is after that with Anthony Nelson and JTS and yeah, yeah, Diaby. Um, yeah, yeah, Diaby. I think they're going to have their way with the Bears offensive tackles. And another yep. thing that the Bears offensive line really struggled with was when the Packers were blitzing. Uh, they yep. had a couple of good corner blitzes as well. And Todd Bowles showed last week, obviously he blitzes the safety nonstop. But, you right. know, they threw in a couple of corner blitzes as well with Jamel Dean and Carl. Double Davis, corner blitz. So. <laughs> Didn't yeah. work out too well, but. No, uh, but. Uh, yeah. I, I think this week against. A still inexperienced, up-and-coming quarterback and an offensive line that clearly struggled a ton. I yeah. really love this matchup for the Bucks defensive line. Yeah, it's interesting because and you mentioned the Bears' offensive line. Um, Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle, had the best game out of them all, and he was his first NFL start. The Bucs really yeah. liked him, and he might have been the first pick for the Buccaneers 
uh, Elijah Cansey ended up being that because Wright was gone by then. Yeah, you like you loved him at the Senior Bowl. I you did really the first one on <laughs> uh, on the Peter Report staff on on the radar there. Uh, super chat here from Q's forty four. Sorry, couldn't figure out how to send the text to it. Do you think Tuck will get more carries this week? Of course, that's Sean Tucker, number forty four. Yeah, I think he will. I, I think that. Um, uh, this team has not given up on Rashad White by any means. He did not have a good game. I talked to Rashad today, one on one, and he, he kind of owned up to it. Yeah, he's got to be more urgent. He's got to be more of an angry runner and more violent, uh, breaking tackles. And that's one thing that Todd Bowles said that the Bears' three-headed monster uh, rushing attack does really, really well. Not just Khalil Herbert, who's had some success, yeah, uh, with with the Bears before. Uh, not just Dante Foreman, who was imported in free agency from Carolina, who had a 100-yard game against Tampa Bay last year in Carolina, uh, but also Rashawn Johnson, who was a yeah. favorite of, of our own Josh Capo. Uh, he's he's a big boy, big load as well. And um, so they've got three backs that, as Todd Bull said, they can all break tackles. And that's something that that uh, when I talked to Anthony Nelson today, he says we have to rally, man. We've got to gang tackle these guys because uh, they're they're tough to bring down. We can't just uh, go mano a mano with them. We've, we've got to continue to gang tackle like they did last week. They held the yes. Vikings to forty one yards on the ground, Matt. And I think they're going to have to have that that same approach here. But Rashad White's got to be a tackle breaker too on Sunday. Yeah, we spoke about Rashad a lot the past couple of days. I'll, I'll start with the defense real quick. Uh, just what you were talking about with, with the, the three-headed monster and the running backs. The Bears also threw a lot of like different screens and, and, and passes out to the flats. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, just making sure that you make those open field tackles. Last week, they were pretty good at it. Christian Izzian missed that one that led to the touchdown for Alexander Madison. But he still played a good game, so we'll give him a break. Yep. Uh, but that's that's – could be what makes or breaks the Bucks defense this week is can they make those tackles on those plays? Because if the Bears get running, then they can actually do something with Justin Fields and that team. But so obviously yeah. that's the number one stop. Um, yep. Rashad White, as you said, he he owned up to it that he, he could have played much better. I think Sean Tucker will get more snaps just for the mm-hmm. fact that I felt he ran fairly well uh, in, yep. in his first game. It wasn't anything groundbreaking but then also if we are to believe that the Bucs are going to win this game and win pretty convincingly well towards the end of the game they're just going to try to run out that clock and if Rashad White had been in there quite often then I think you could see Sean Tucker getting a couple of drives like he did uh, last week he had one drive in particular where he was the main guy so yeah Rashad White I I think you know Dave Canales called him a violent runner back in when Canales was first brought on board I think we're going to see a little bit more of that violence from Rashad White on Sunday's game. We got a super chat from Catamax. Thanks for the $5 super chat. They say, can we speak about the uh, Vita Vea touchdown? Can we speak a Vita Vea touchdown as a fullback into existence? Just once, I want to see it. Maybe Canales will draw something up for Vita. Well, it wouldn't be Vita's first career touchdown. He scored that one against the Atlanta Falcons back in 2019, lining up a right. tight end. But as a fullback... I think it would be really cool. They did it in, in 2020 as well with Vita lining up at fullback. He didn't get the ball, but he was right. uh, blocking on that play. I would absolutely love it, but, you know, Dave Canales runs a little bit of a different offense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And um, a little bit of um, insight here. Uh, you know, I, I text Dave Canales from time to time, and one of the things that I, I – I'll text him some plays, some interesting trick plays, whether it's college or or NFL, whatever um, – and uh, there was, uh, for example, 
if you remember back um, uh, when Sean King was, I think he was playing the Patriots uh, way back in the day, and, and they had the fake spike play, and he threw a touchdown pass to Reed L. Anthony, and it caught the Patriots off guard. And so I sent him that play, and he's like, wow, you know, that's a great play. I remember that play, et cetera. Um, I sent him a video that I saw, and, and I grab a lot of stuff off Twitter, uh, or X now, and I sent him that video of Vita Vea scoring the touchdown, and usually he responds with a thumbs up or like an exclamation point or whatever, or he'll say something. He didn't say anything there. He did, he did not did not reply at all. So maybe that's, you know, somewhere uh, in the playbook. We'll see. I did my part. I want to see another big man touchdown from Vita Vea. I think everybody wants to, whether he's catching one uh, like he did in Atlanta off the, the play action fake or uh, getting a fullback dive a la Refrigerator Perry in the Super Bowl. Uh, against the Patriots. So, yeah, why not, right? Let's get Vita back to his roots as an NFL running back, at least for one touchdown. That'd be fun to see. Zachary Jarvis with the $1.99 Super Chat says, this Bears team ain't ready for this Florida weather. I mean, it has played a factor before, obviously early in the season, and these Bucks bears games always seem to be insane. So, yeah, we'll see if the Bucs try to – Really, again, to bring it back to boxing, try to tire yeah. them out <laughs> a right. little bit. Try to hit those body blows and, and and wear them down. I think they're obviously susceptible to it. So Bucks have to play it in their favor, and that's probably why they didn't have too many practices indoors yeah. at the uh, at the indoor facility that they have. Right. They went outside, come rain or shine. Almost really, so. every, every time, yeah. And, Matt, that's a great point, too, because with the weather – you really want to to be able to ground and pound this team. You really want to be able to get a lead, use the running game. Um, offensive linemen don't like to to pass protect. They really don't because uh, as much as as they're supposed to be on the offensive, when you're in pass protection, you're really on the defensive because the defensive line is attacking you and you're trying to form that pocket and, and protect your quarterback. There's nothing better than leaning on tired defensive linemen uh, who are forced to tackle rather than pass rush. And if, if this Buccaneer team can get a lead into the fourth quarter, you're going to see them lean on the running game. And that's exactly what Todd Bowles wants. His defense on the sidelines, Bucks offense out there for, for a four, five, seven, eight minute drive and just wear them out in the Florida heat. And, and that's, that's going to be the recipe for success. And the Bears defensive line, their starters aren't even really that menacing to begin with. So if they yeah. have to uh, throw in even more of a rotation because of that, it certainly will bode well for the Bucks. We yeah. have a $5 super chat from Furu Kawab. Thank you for the super chat. They say, uh, why do you got to bring them up? Didn't Aaron, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Didn't Aaron Rodgers have a calf issue before he tore his Achilles? And should the Bucks play it safe with Cansey? So for Aaron Rodgers, I want to say it was like around OTAs or minicamp. One of the first practices Rodgers had, he left practice early. He said he felt a little bit of a pull in his calf, but it was very, very much precautionary stuff. And then obviously everything happened with the the Monday night game. But, you know, training yeah. camp, he, he practiced for yeah. a lot of it, really. Should the Bucks play it safe with Kalijah Kansi? I mean, man, he looked good in those those yeah. limited snaps that he had in the first game. I mean, if it already, we'll see if he practices tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be the, the telltale sign. And really, they they are playing it safe. The trainers uh, pulled him yeah. out of the game. They shut him down. And when he said he felt tightness, and and the MRI said there's no re-injury, so they're playing it safe. And he didn't practice today, so they're giving him an extra day of rest. Um, 
yeah, they don't want to lose Kalaja Kansi for the rest of the season. They want him to be a factor. At the same time, they want to win games, and so they it's <laughs> yeah, it's it's that you know the seesaw effect, right? It's like you gotta you want to play him, but you want to get him hurt, but you want to play him, but you don't want to get him hurt. So uh, I, you have to trust the trainers, and and the other the other X factor too was noticeable. They were in an air conditioned dome last week. Sunday's yes. game is going to be hot, humid. There's going to be probably some rain at some point in time. Usually, it's just passing showers in the Tampa Bay area. 30% chance for rain. So that's going to probably make it hotter and steamier when and if the rain comes during the game or before the game. So that that's more mindful because then it's like, then you're talking dehydration, right? And and that really causes cramps as well, especially yeah. in the calves. So yeah, I suspect they will play it extra safe with Kalasha Kansi on Sunday if he does play. And as Gary says, Aaron Rodgers is, I believe he's yeah. 39, he turns 40 yeah. in December. But yeah, Aaron Rodgers is much older than Kalijah Kansi. So a little more stress on the body yeah. would hit Kalijah, uh, would hit Aaron Rodgers yeah. quicker than uh, than Kalijah Kansi. So, but he's both an of these players. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Both of these teams want to run the ball, right? Especially the Bears, because that, that doesn't put all the pressure on Justin Fields to win the game. Um, if, if they can't run the ball against this Bucks stout run defense, then they're going to have to throw it. And they've got a couple of, of good receivers. Darnell Mooney was the guy that had the touchdown. I, I've liked him since he came out of Tulane. The Bucks liked him too, kind of a speedster. And, um, you know, Chase Claypool is an absolute turd, if we can just say it. I mean, his, his, his play, effort. his effort was awful. Just, I mean, yeah. it's, it was embarrassing. It's embarrassing that he played as bad as he did uh, just from an effort standpoint. Yeah. Um, well, it's not I'm a shocker no when you play at Notre Dame, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, it, it was, it was incredibly bad. And, and so Darnell Mooney is a professional. He plays hard. He caught a touchdown pass, but it was really amazing how part of the bears trade for that number one overall pick when the Panthers moved up to number one and the bears moved back you know, the, the Bears uh, probably kicking themselves for not being a position to get um, Jalen Carter, right, yeah. The who went to the Eagles. Um, not that Darnell Wright is a bad pick, but, boy, there's not much pass rush. And we'll talk about the Bears' defense in a second here. But D.J. Moore got held to two catches for 25 yards. Not just two catches, Matt, two targets. Yeah. And this is a, a guy who's making over $20 million a year. The Panthers paid him that much before it traded him. But were you surprised that DJ Moore was not more of a factor? And, of course, what that means is now he's going to be really heavily targeted because he's had some success yeah. as a former Panther against the, the Bucks. But what do you make of the, of the Bears' passing game with Mooney and Claypool and more? Yeah, I'm with you on Chase Claypool. I mean, the body language just looks terrible when you see him. And you can control your efforts. Sometimes things aren't going your way, but you can control the effort that you put in. And Claypool didn't have that at all. Yeah, specifically with the blocking on the screen. The the DJ Moore lack of targets is so confusing. It's so mind-boggling yeah. because you know he was a big part of, of that trade, you know? Um, yeah. So for DJ Moore, who's been a nightmare for the Bucs, I think you see that a lot. We saw it last year for the Bucs when Mike Evans wasn't targeted that much in the game against the Steelers. And yeah. the next week, ironically, against the Panthers, every single football went to Mike Evans. So right. that's probably the biggest thing that the Bucs are going to have to watch out for is, is DJ Moore because you can't 
have a talent like him and only target him twice. And sure, the, the game was slipping away from the Bears, but it's just kind of inexcusable. It's your wide yeah. receiver one. It's the first game of the season. Jair Alexander is a is a really good cornerback in this yeah. league. But for and especially with all the motion that the Bears have and, and the different designs that they have. Their offensive coordinator, I'm already not a big fan of. I mean, there were some there was one goal line drive where Justin Fields, it was like a play action bootleg to the right side. Yeah. And Justin Fields rolls out to the right side. And he had a receiver on that side. But over on the left, they had one of the one of the receivers run like a pivot to the left boundary in the end zone. It's like if you're doing a QB bootleg to the right side. Yeah. Why are you running around all the way to the sense. boundary on the left side? You're just taking <laughs> yeah. your guy out of the play. So I think, yeah. I mean, Todd Bowles, I think, is going to dominate this I do too. offensive coordinator versus defensive play caller matchup uh, against Chicago. And if I'm, the, if I'm the Bears, I force feed DJ Moore the ball because whether it's an injured Carlton or Jamel yeah. Dean, he's, some guys just always – have the number of like a team or a certain player or whatever. And right. DJ Moore had the Bucks number last year. Wouldn't be a bad idea if you're the bears to go back to that. Well, yeah. And especially just manufacture some touches, wide receiver screens, quick slants, something quick rhythmic to get the ball in DJ Moore's hands, because really he's, he's their best and most explosive weapon on offense, certainly in the passing game. And uh, yeah. it was just shocking that they only, through his way twice. So when you look at the, at the Bears uh, defense, Matt, and uh, Cole Kmet, he's going to be getting some touches, obviously, yeah. at, at the tight end position. Um, I think Tampa Bay uh, did a, a pretty good job on TJ Hawkinson last Absolutely. week. Absolutely. You know, and, and it, that bodes well, I think, for, for them against the Bears this week. When you look at, at the Bears defense, wow. I mean, Eddie Jackson's a takeaway machine, but they didn't have any turnovers at all on defense. Uh, they lost the turnover battle two to nothing to Green Bay. Uh, whether it's Brett Favre, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, now Jordan Love, the Bears just get owned by the Packers, even in Chicago. So it was a rough start, 38-20, to 20, a brutal loss at home for the Bears. Um, Matt Eberflus only won three games last year. Remember, he's replacing Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy, <laughs> who won six games in his final season before getting fired. So it's never good to uh, have the win total chopped in half from the previous guy. We saw that with Greg Schiano, who won four games in his final season in 2013. Then Lovey Smith comes in and only wins two games, replacing Schiano the next year in 2014. So Matt Eberflus, uh, I think, already on the hot seat in Chicago. Doesn't seem like he's the guy unless they really write the ship pretty quickly here. But I, I'm looking across the the Bears, and I know that they, they revamped their linebacking core, and that's probably from a talent standpoint. Yeah. The strength of this unit, they've got a couple of guys they imported, T.J. Edwards from Philadelphia and then Tremaine Ed Edmonds from Buffalo. Uh, both those guys combined for 22 tackles, 14 from Edwards, eight from, from uh, Edmonds, who had seven solo tackles. But both of those guys seemed like they were liabilities in, in pass coverage last week. And that goes extremely well for the specific type of offense that Dave Canales runs with the slants and the mesh routes and yeah. and going across, getting these linebackers to move left to right. So, yeah, I think the just the, the pre-snap motion and everything might be the biggest advantage for the Bucs going into this game. And then, you know, the defensive line, Yannick Ngakwe had a sack and a couple tackles for loss, but that was about it for yeah. the Bears' defensive line. So while the Bucs offense and their offensive line pass protection was pretty stellar 
while they still figure out that run game, this is a pretty good opportunity for them to really get that going. And I think we're kind of just going to see another great balance for the Bucks offense uh, offense against the Bears defense. And I know Todd Bowles in the past has said, we don't necessarily need to be balanced. Like we're going to do whatever we need to win. And yeah. I don't even think the Bucs need to be 50-50 run pass. But last week they were pretty close to it. And it seemed like a pretty good recipe, especially in the second half. I'm curious to see if they I we know they want to run the ball, but if they if yeah. they don't have too much success and they find themselves moving the ball quickly with those with the just really short passes and getting the, the yards after the catch to take advantage yeah. against the linebackers. I'm, I'm curious if uh that's how we'll see the Bucs exploit them. Yeah, I think so. Really, Ngakwe is the only guy that really concerns me in in, in the front four when you look at, at the Bears. Um, maybe they have to get their linebackers involved in some blitzes, to mm. not just run blitzes to help stuff the run, but try, try to get after uh, Baker Mayfield. You know, you look at these linebackers, and I'm, I'm not saying they're not athletic, but um, they're not the heat-seeking missile type of linebackers. <laughs> You've got Tremaine Edmonds, who's 6'4", 250 pounds. You've got T.J. Edwards, who's 6'3", 242 pounds. So they're bigger, stockier linebackers that are built to stuff the run, but didn't even do that good of a job last week as the Vikings, not the Vikings, the Packers, ran for 92 yards. But up front, you've got Ngakwe, you've got Andrew Billings, and you got Justin Jones, those two defensive tackles who are better run stuffers than they are pass rushers. And then Demarcus Walker is the other defensive end, and he's not uh, exactly a, a guy that, that's going to scare you from a, uh, a a pass rushing standpoint. He did have seven sacks with Tennessee in 2022, so they're you know they they brought him uh, there to help provide some pass rush, but. Uh, that was really the the most sacks he had had in a season. He bounced around to start off at Denver, where he topped out at four and a half sacks. One year in in Houston with two, and then last year with seven. Uh, was he a bit of a one year wonder as a pass rusher? That could be the case. Didn't see much from him last week against the Packers. Um, so we'll see. And this Bucks pass protection, I thought, held up really well. Uh, in a tough environment in Minnesota last week, no false starts, as Todd Bowles said today, and only two holding penalties, both of those declined, and only surrendered one sack. And as we talked about on Monday's show, Baker Mayfield owned up to that sack today. Yeah, he did. He did. He took credit for it, or I took blame for it, <laughs> but credit yeah. to him for taking the blame. We got a super chat from the Loot Group, Life on Our Terms. Thank you for the 199 super chat saying, love the live, loving the live game reaction highlight video. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's part of the Peter Game Day stream. I'm I'm glad you I'm very happy that you enjoyed it. Uh maybe we'll put one out again this week. And of course, we got the Peter Game Day show coming up again this Sunday. It'll start at 12 noon for Bucks vs. Bears. That'll be our preview. And then we roll right into the game when kickoff gets going. Um, I'll be on the call. I believe Josh Capo will be with me as well. Josh always has fantastic. Um, observations about the game, different formations and lineups that the Bucs and the Bears will have. So very excited for that. Hopefully we'll have some good reactions too if the Bucs play well in that one. And if you want to bet on the game, you can go and do it at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code Pewter to get a first deposit bonus with mybookie. Um, you get a 10% Sign up uh, cash bonus with uh, with your deposit using Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, as the bonus. 
Uh, it's a maximum of uh, $200 and a minimum of $45 that's uh, required to get that deposit bonus. And there's a one-time rollover as well. But football's back in full swing. It's always so much fun to, to bet on football, but you can do it for all the different sports as well. So go to mybookie.ag. And even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that's a heck of a deal to get that free deposit bonus over at MyBookie. Yep. Another super chat. Boy, you pewter people coming through strong. Strong yeah. start for the Buccaneers. Strong start for you pewter people here. All the way from last week through pewter game day, through the post-game podcast, through Monday's podcast, which was the Victory Monday podcast. We always love Mondays because we do roll call at 420. Yeah. And continuing it today with Meets McGee, $5 super chat, Matt. Yeah, Meets McGee says, this game concerns me. We love playing down to opponents, plus they could be looking towards the Monday Night Football Philly game. In the past, I think you're, you you have a point, Meets McGee. Yeah. But I think this team still feels really disrespected for how everybody thinks they're going to be a bottom five team this year. And I don't yeah. think winning one game has changed a lot of the outside right. opinion of the Buccaneers. So I still think they have a lot, a lot to prove. And you know what could prove a lot is – if they demolish, like, kick the crap out of the Bears this week, and then yeah. you go 2-0 and on Monday Night Football and you beat the Eagles, that yeah. will start getting people's opinions changed. Yes. But you have to take care of uh, the first piece of business first. Right. The Bucs could win, and if they win by one point, I don't think anyone's really going to be satisfied. So yeah. I, I very much do think that they still feel disrespected. And listen, I mean, the Buccaneers needed a 57-yard field goal to beat the Vikings, yeah. right? They needed a three-to-nothing turnover margin. There's nobody right now at the Advent Health Training Center, one Buccaneer place, that feels like they stomped the Vikings and that they did anything special. They 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 got a road win, a hard-fought road win. The defense can play better. The pass rush needs to come alive. It didn't really in Minnesota. Uh, they did have some takeaways that were were fortunate. The running game did not get going. The offense stalled mightily in the first half. So there's a lot to work on, a lot to improve on. I do not think that this Bucks team is is coming out beating their chest and uh, and and thinking that this is going to be an easy win by any means. Again, it took a three to nothing turnover margin to beat the Vikings by three points. So the margin for error for this team until it really gets going is still pretty narrow, and I think this team knows that. So. Uh, as KGH for life says, Yannick stole 10 million from the Bears. He doesn't even try to play the run. I think that's why Yannick and Gakwe's kind of been bounced around the league because he um, he is a pass rusher, but does not play the run exceptionally well. So we'll see if Todd Bowles takes advantage of that, uh, especially Dave Canales and runs the ball right at him. And it'll be interesting to see if they line up Yannick and Gakwe against Lou Gedeke. Or if yeah. they just uh, try to run him into a brick wall that is Tristan Wirfs <laughs> left tackle. Um, I, I know Yannick typically, even from his days with the Ravens, likes to line up on the right side against left tackles. That seems like a losing proposition uh, this week against uh, uh, Tristan Wirfs, who looked damn good, looked Pro Bowl ready as a left tackle. And if you're looking for uh, for a home to you know to purchase, or if you're looking to sell your home, I got a Pro Bowler for you. It's Eric Gross with the Eric Gross Group. If you're not familiar with Eric Gross, uh, the Eric Gross Group is the official realtor of Pewter Report, and they will help you tackle your real estate goals because they're the winning real estate agents that you need to get the job done. Eric has done hundreds of transactions in the real estate market that is 
kind of crazy, especially in the state of Florida. So he's got experience in all the right situations. Eric is an avid Pewter Report reader, so why not do business with, uh, with the fellow Tampa Bay fan? He wants to build a relationship with his clients. He doesn't treat them like they're transactions. Matter of fact, a lot of his clients end up being lifelong friendships that end up, uh, you know, end up having that relationship to where if they're going to sell their house again and buy another house, right? They go back to Eric, and that's that's the type of service you get at the Eric Gross Group. They can help you turn your dream of buying or selling your your home into a, a reality, whether you're moving into the state of Florida or out of the state of Florida or around the state of Florida. Don't let the stress of buying or selling a home keep you out of the game. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at Eric Gross Group or check out their website, housesinfla.com. That's Houses in FLA. Go to that website, check out their inventory, give them a call at 513-907-4271. Again, Houses in FLA. No matter where you are in your home ownership journey, You'll feel welcome at the Eric Gross Group, the official realtor of Pewter Report. We have to play this video from Baker Mayfield today Let's do as it. we close out yep. the show. Um, so there's been this whole – Rashad White kind of got the ball rolling. And anyway, it had kind of been revealed that Baker had picked up on some of the signs that the Vikings had and kind of knew what Minnesota was going to do on defense. In terms of the audible, the hand signals and things yeah. like that. Yeah, which I think has been blown out of proportion a lot. Yeah. Like, again, the Bucks only scored – 20 points they scored 10 points in each half so they didn't get right. that much of an advantage um so baker was asked about it and if you're a baseball fan you know the big scandal <laughs> with the houston astros from a couple seasons yeah. ago with stealing signs this has the internet in an absolute frenzy right now but yep. baker mayfield took a little bit of a shot at the houston astros i know i'm in tampa but i'm a texas rangers fan not a houston astros fan so we're not going to condone that <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. That's good stuff. Uh, another takeaway real quick. Uh, Todd Bowles called Baker a quarterback with an offensive lineman mentality. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting. He's a quarterback with an offensive lineman mentality. Now, you don't want your quarterback doing it too much, but, you know, he'll make the yards when he has to make the yards when the game is on the line. And he plays very smart. That doesn't mean he's a renegade by any means. It, it just means that. He's willing to go the extra mile to put his face in the fan when the situation calls for it. And hopefully he doesn't have to do that too much where he can get banged up. But offensive linemen feed off of that and then he becomes one of them. And, you know, it's, it's a rallying cry for the offense. You're a blind man's mentality. <laughs> Your thoughts on that statement? Um, I love football. I mean, it's, it's the game of football. It's a physical game. I've always loved it. Love contact. Um, you can't shy away from it. I think that's how you get hurt. But obviously, like I mentioned, playing quarterback is a little bit different story. So, uh, yeah, definitely want to protect yourself. But it, it just I always want to be a part of the guys. Um, there's something about that, just being involved, showing them that uh, I like to get down and dirty with them as well. Yep. And tomorrow you can uh, check out uh, more Bears-Bucks coverage. Bucks rare favorites versus the Bears. That's a 4 o'clock podcast tomorrow with Bears insider Jacob Infante. And a quick question here. Speaking of D, what's up with Logan Hall? Well, I'm going to have a Pewter Pulse tomorrow about Logan Hall. So make sure you check that out on Pewter Report TV, which is, of course, our YouTube page. We're almost up to 12,000. Thanks to you awesome Pewter people. So uh, please keep liking and subscribing. Subscribe to Pewter Report TV, which is our YouTube channel. Keep liking all the videos. Helps our algorithm, gets us in front of more Buccaneer fans. And, of course, you can find us on X, Instagram, Facebook, and threads at Pewter Report. And visit PeterReport.com for more Bucks insight, game coverage, injury reports, and stories about your favorite team.
All right, that's going to do it for us on today's show. For Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Peace out. Out.